Thank you for downloading this podcast from BJOG with Deputy Editor-in-Chief John Thorpe. The postmodern world we live in has adapted certain core principles that we accept as axiomatic, even without evidence to support our faith in them. The precepts seem so obvious to clinicians and patients that to question or examine them borders on apostasy to men and women who have deeply drunk from the wells of progress and technology. I'm grateful that the British Journal of OBGYN does not hesitate to question these totems of scientism and, when appropriate, show our readers alternative ways of seeing the world. Business thinking rules supreme in our age, and medicine is not immune. Concepts from the airline industry and auto manufacturing have been embraced under the rubric of team training or resource management. In the June issue, Ramjan and colleagues performed a cluster randomized trial of these business-based techniques in Dutch hospitals. Importantly, they did not just measure changes in knowledge after the educational intervention, which is the more common and less informative outcome chosen, but looked at composite perinatal outcomes before and after. They found no improvement in outcomes following training. And I would caution our readers to take this negative trial into account, along with the mixed results the others have found before further efforts to apply business to medicine are invested in. In the spring of 1988, I traveled to a rural North Carolina county and staffed a prenatal clinic where obstetric ultrasound had never been done. Equipped with a portable machine that fit into the trunk of my car, We did lots of bedside scans in clinic, and at midday, I packed for the trip home. An elderly gentleman approached me in the parking lot, and with great pride in his young wife and newly conceived baby, he spoke to me in the Elizabethan brogue that Sir Walter Raleigh introduced to North Carolina in the 16th century, exclaiming, I want to see what I have wrought. His enthusiasm for visual imaging has grown exponentially, and the use of obstetric ultrasound seems to have no limits. Hatala and colleagues proved that statement true in a population-based study from Finland in which there was a nationwide effort to improve the detection of major cardiac defects in utero. Training was conducted for all obstetric units, and every woman underwent first and second trimester scans, along with serum screening for aneuploidy. As one would predict, detection rates of serious anomalies improved. However, there was no assessment of cost, and in my practice in the U.S., the charges for these tests, if they include free fetal DNA testing, often exceed what insurance carriers or the government will pay for a delivery. I'm also concerned that there was no reporting of false positives, additional scans, and invasive testing for karyotype that an incorrect diagnosis or incidental finding might produce. There's also the human burden of worry and anxiety that incidentalomas create, and I fear that such emotions might detract from mother-baby bonding. 
As clinicians, we must resist our society's fascination with visualization of the unborn and only order tests that will provide benefit. Our ancestors struggled with starvation and the feast-famine cycles that were at the core of hunter-gatherer societies. Modern men and women face the exact opposite problem. The end result of our modern lifestyles can be the metabolic syndrome, which has insulin resistance at its core and predicts long-term cardiovascular risk. Dreiker and colleagues looked at the impact of metabolic syndrome on fecundability, or time to pregnancy, and couples trying to conceive where the woman had metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome in female partners increased the medium time to pregnancy for couples and the likelihood that they would meet the formal definitions of infertility. I have a colleague who is an exercise enthusiast and runs a preconception fitness boot camp for country music stars with great anecdotal fertility and perinatal outcomes. Perhaps in these modern times, the first visit for the subfertile couple should be to a nutritionist and trainer. It further raises the question of would improving the man's fitness and nutrition have an impact. Thank you for listening to this podcast from BJOG. We have been reporting the best research in women's health since 1902. We are keen to hear your views. Tweet us at BJOG Tweets. You can find more podcasts at www.bjog.org.